Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, you gotta love the Apostle Paul. I was thinking this morning as I was sipping my coffee, boy, I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Paul. I wonder what he would say. But I really love, I really love his heart. Why? Because as we walk, guys, as we walk with Paul, we're actually walking through some of the most painful and personal hurts that he's had. Like, like if you were to take the rest of his letters, okay, they're not, they're, they're, they're very theologically sound, but this one, this is where he's just, he's just expressing his heart. And, and the thing about it is that, his heart for people is so much that even when he's boasting, or, or, or a better word would be defending who he is and who God is in his life, he's got a humble spirit. That's Paul. And even though Paul's going to make a statement, he's got very powerful uh, letters and his diction is good and his points are solid, he's very humble. And he loves us very much. Now, think about this for a moment, okay? Think, put yourself in Paul's sandals. You go, what? You have a group of people who questioned his apostolic authority. We don't think Paul should be. We don't know if he's really an apostle or not. We don't. He's too. And, 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 and in doing that, guys, they were questioning, check this out. They were questioning the gospel. And the gospel is the most important part. Why? Because the gospel, guys, is the message of the cross that saves us. See, I don't want to spend eternity away from God. I don't want to spend eternity two seconds away from God. Even now, God is with us in this place. Amen? Amen. God is here. Amen? Okay, so you, you, you see that. But now they're questioning that. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, listen, guys, I don't want to compare notes. I don't want to boast. But when it comes down to the church, he says, I feel like it's necessary. I feel like it's necessary. You go, why? Why? Because Paul understood the credibility was being undermined by those so-called super apostles and the false teachers. Because they actually claimed in Corinth to be better than Paul. Could you imagine? This is the Apostle Paul. And they're going, oh, we're better than Paul. Oh, no, my ministry is so much better. I've just, I've got a fancy chariot outside. I've got subjects. We've got a TV ministry. We've got a radio ministry. You guys know what I'm talking about. They claim to be better. Paul's just telling me he just wanted to get the gospel out. Here's what, here's where Paul got excited about. He got excited about changed lives. He got, a, he got excited about marriages being healed. He got excited about people who were healed by, from a physical ailment by the grace of God. That's what Paul got excited about. Oh, he saw the gospel. He saw the gospel. So Paul says, guys, 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 listen, I've got to tell you a few things. Even though I feel so uncomfortable about bragging about it, I've got to tell you. And you guys got to remember, if you recall, last week he bragged. What did he brag about? His infirmities. Paul wasn't going... Look at me, I'm super Paul. He goes, no, 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 I, I am bragged about, because it's in my infirmities that that's where God's strength comes from. Look at verse 10 with me real quick, guys. I think it might be on the screen. Verse 10 says this, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. This is what he says. This is what he says. Guys, we're going to develop that later on, but here's what I want you to see. I think it's some great application for us. You go, how so? It's in our weaknesses. It's in our infirmities. It's in our sadness. And it's in our hardships that God really shows himself strong. I think of the missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor, and he was the founder of the China Inland Mission. He knew the secret strength was through weakness. 
As a matter of fact, he had this amazing compliment of a friend. His friend said, listen, this, the, mission, the mission in China is amazing. God is using you so amazing. This is so good. You know what he said? He said this, quote, It seemed to me that God looked over the whole world to find a man who was weak enough to do his work. And when he at last found me, he said, He is weak enough. He'll do. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with him, end quote. Think about this, guys. It's in our weakness, everybody say weakness, Weakness. that God is strong on our behalf. And I feel like the best place today is to be walking with him side by side because here's what my God is doing. He's looking at men and women who are weak enough to do mighty things that he could do mighty things through. Guys, Elihu, Jesse's son, stood six foot six, a man's man, hands that gripped. And the prophet Samuel goes, no, 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 no. That's not the king. David, the little shepherd boy. That's the king. That's the king. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to say. He's saying, look, we, we, he, God looks for woo, for men and women weak enough to do mighty things. Moses, guys, the Moses. Moses was, he was actually brought up in the ways of the Egyptians. But you know, Moses stuttered. Uh, I can't speak very well. Don't use me, God. When God called him to go lead the people, you know what he said? No, um, I don't think so. Uh, God, I don't speak very well. And then eventually he told God, find somebody else. He says, no, Moses, you're weak enough that I can use you. Let me say this to you guys. God does not share his glory or his credit with anyone. And he looks for us so, we, so, so they look at your life and go, there's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. Seriously? And he gives us gifts and talents to where you go, there's got to be a God. You couldn't do that? You da- And they glorify God. And you guys know this. When you think about your past, when you think about when somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, yeah, I remember when you were, I remember when you used to, you used to be the crazy one. You were the one with the lampshade on your head dancing on the table. I remember. Now look at you. You're a pastor. What gives? There's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. You remember those that were voted least likely to end up in prison? And then God got a hold of their heart, and they're like, whew. What are you doing? Oh, man, I'm a missionary. I'm serving the Lord. What? Oh, man, this is what he's saying. And so I thought, wow, okay, okay, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me remind you very quickly, guys, what we learned so far. Because chapters 10, 11, 12, they're so power-packed. Okay, the Apostle Paul in these last chapters, remember, he defends his apostolic office and the message against these super apostles who were challenging Paul's authority. Okay? And you go, well, Ben, 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 I have a question. What was the problem these people had with Paul? That's a good question. You guys are smart. You're on your A game. Thank you. The problem was, here's that, is they claimed that his letters were very powerful, while his outward appearance was very meek and mild. And to them, they're going, There's this, this, he writes such he writes hard letters, and they're so powerful. But look at him. You guys understand what they were, where they were getting at, right? We use this term. They were expecting Ramses and Nacho Libre, and they got Nacho. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly what they were doing. They're like, Ramses would walk around like this, and they go, that has to be Paul. And then here comes Nacho. Nacho, right? And that's what they were expecting. Where else can you go to church where they quote Nacho Libre? That's what I want to know. Or, or... Guys, they were hoping to get Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and they ended up getting Jack Black instead. That's their whole point. What were they doing? Well, these so-called super apostles were judging by appearance. They were looking at the outward. They were looking at, well, this guy has to be. 
Don't we do that too? Don't we do that too? If we hear somebody on the radio, an, an, an awesome song. You know what I heard? I've had people come up to me and say, I've, I've listened to your radio ministry for years. That's not what you look like. And I'm going, what? That's not how I pictured you. I pictured you. And they give me this big old, based on my voice on the radio, this is what they said. And what were they doing? I said, I hope you're not disappointed. This is who I, who I am, you know, trying to be taller than I am. Right? Because they're expecting six foot one, solid. I don't know what they're expecting. But that's what they were expecting. And they go, no, 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 no. And you go, well, what did we learn? What did we learn? Well, the very first thing we learned, guys, I think we take to heart is this. Follow the example of Christ. So in essence, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what we need to do is we need to follow the example of Christ. But in order to follow the example, you need to know him. You need to know him. Right? You need to know him. Follow that example. It's so funny because I could bet my girls growing up would cross their arms and say, I'm never going to be like my mom. And now when they're older, they find themselves saying the same thing their mama said. You ever do that? I sound just like my mom. They were following that example. In order to follow the example of Jesus, you have to know him. You have to know his heart. You have to know, you have to... What would Jesus do in this situation? How, how would he minister to people? And we need to follow that example, do we not? Do we not? I was thinking, and I saw this, I don't like Jesse de la Cerda. I just don't. I mean, he convicts me so much. The other day we were walking out from church last Sunday, and he grabs his wife, and he just, and I'm like, really, Jesse? He just loves his wife, and I love that. I love, I, see, I want to follow that example. I want to, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You see somebody and you're going, man, that's so cool. That's so cool. Or, or whatever it might be, biblically, if you go, man, that guy knows the word so much, I want to know, I want to be like him. This is what he's saying, guys. Follow the example of Christ. Know Jesus. Pray for a greater hunger for God's word in your life. God, give me a greater hunger. I want to know your word. I want to know you. You are your word. I want to know you. I want to know the color of the eyes of my Lord. I want to know what makes him smile. I want to know what touches his heart. I want to know you, Lord. The second thing, guys, and we talked about this. Paul says, here's what we learned. Don't use carnal weapons in a spiritual war. Okay, we're in a spiritual battle, guys. Don't use carnal weapons. He says, use spiritual weapons. What are spiritual weapons? Well, the word God tells us to what? To put on the full armor of God. If we're going to go into battle, we need to pull on the full armor of God, right? We need to know what those are. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. You guys know all of this, right? The belt of truth. We need to put on the full armor of God. But let me tell you this. In the armor of God, first and foremost, there's nothing that protects our back. Because God never called us to turn and retreat. He says, keep moving forward. Another weapon, guys, for for spiritual warfare is Bible reading, praying, fasting. Let me say it again. Fasting. Well, where do I have to fast, Lord? Well, maybe it's not food for you. Maybe it's the Internet. You say, man, I'm going to fast the Internet for a week. I'm going to fast Facebook for a week. And then you start shaking the next day. You're like, well, I'm, I'm coming down, man. I'm coming down. My hands are... Just kidding. But you've got to fast. You've got to seek the Lord. And I, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He once said, when asked what's more important, praying or reading the Bible, you know what he said? What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? They're equally important, aren't they? The third thing we learned, guys, is don't judge by appearance. Don't look at somebody and go, oh, God would never use you. God would never use you. Here's what I want you to do. Start looking at people how God would see them. Pastor, they're not there yet. Pastor, they're wait. Start looking. How would God see him? I want to and pray. I want to see him how God's how you see him, Lord. I see a broken, weak vessel. You see a warrior. 
You see a warrior through, with your spirit in him. I see great things in you. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. That's how we need to do, guys. Number four, this is, this is important, guys. Make sure what you believe is true. Then behave what you believe. See, Paul's talking about conduct. He says, this is how I behave. But in order for Paul to behave to where he was above reproach, come on, somebody, he had to believe what is true. That's what he said. I believe what's true. And then I behave that way. Let's make sure that we don't do, we don't say one thing. Help me, church. We don't say one thing and behave totally different. Let, let's be careful. This is, this is some great, this is some great application. Well, I am and I believe in it, in it but I'm, I'm over here. This, no, because you really believe, you really behave what you believe. You really, you really, you do. You do. But make sure it's true. Where do we find true? We, in the Word, amen. We don't find true on CNN or Fox or any of the media. We don't find truth in that. We find truth in the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Make sure, and then believe it. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you believe it? Then are we looking up every day? Today, Lord? Today? How do we live if he's coming back today? Church, what would you do different if you knew at 6.05 p.m. tonight, Jesus was coming back for his church? How would you live? And I hope your answer is not any different. I follow my Jesus. I'm still going to hug my wife and love on her. I'm still going to hug my kids. We're going to have a great time. You know what the hardest thing is? Help me, guys. You know what the hardest thing is? Is circumstances that happen in our lives could get us down. They do, don't they? Little circumstances. Like, I could have walked in today and been like, oh, my gosh, this door's not working. It could have ruined my whole day. But i got to say, no, these are just circumstances. We'll fix them and we'll move on. But they love to ruin our day, don't they? Can I challenge y'all? Here's what I want you to do this week, okay? Practice being thankful for what you have. Practice. Practice it. Practice it. I mean, I know 2020. I'm, I'm, I'm just as, as eager to get rid of it. I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, but I'm... But, but practice being thankful. What are we thankful for, guys? Are we thankful for a hot shower? I mean, seriously, do you get in the shower and go, thank you, Lord? No, we don't. We just, I want to go. Thank you, Lord, Lord. There's a lot of people in the world that don't have a hot shower. Thank you for the food that you gave us, Lord. Thank you for our kids. Wow. You know why? I'm looking at my sister here and I say, you know why? Because God loves you so much. He trusted you with two little ones. Be thankful. Be thankful. Yeah, they're teething. I know. How many of you wake up and are so thankful you have dirty dishes in the sink? Somebody said yes. No, you don't. But we should be, shouldn't we? You know why? Because those dirty, what do those dirty dishes actually represent? That there are people in your house and they've eaten and God provided. And then, and then make them do chores. I mean, don't, don't just leave them there. You know, hey, wash these dishes. I'm thankful that there's dishes for you to wash. <laughs> Get in here and wash these dishes, young man, young lady. No, Amanda, no, maybe. Uh, I'm going way off, guys. And, and, okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Just be thankful. Just be thankful. I want you to report back to me next week what you were thankful for. You know, Pastor, I, I used to get super bummed, but I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I'm alive. Last week, okay, I'm sorry, I, I got to preach in here. Last week, we saw the true marks of what? A dev, of a fully devoted follower of Christ. You know what Paul says? 
This is very painful, very personal, but I'm going to share in my sufferings. Here's what he says in, in uh, chapter 11. He says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. They wouldn't give you 40. It was against the law to whip you 40 times, so they would whip you 39 times because they didn't want to break the law. Paul says, five times that happened to me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And he goes on. Listen, he, he says, in pearls of water, and pearls of robber. I mean, they were, there was when I, I mean, I'm walking down to try to tell people about Jesus, and, and then I got robbed. He says, think about this. He says, in pearls of what? My own countrymen, in pearls of the Gentiles, in pearls of the cities, in pearls of the wilderness, in pearls of the sea, in pearls of the false brethren, seriously, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, right? Often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Besides that, he says, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for the churches. Paul says, this is, I'm being very vulnerable. Paul says, So let me defend who I am. It's very personal. And Paul is not bragging about his accomplishments. He wasn't saying, hey, listen, I started all these churches, Church of Philippi is doing great. The church over in Galatia, the church, um, man, all these churches, they're they're awesome. He says, listen, you know what? I'm going to brag on how weak I am. Here's why. Because these super apostles, these false teachers were going, Paul's so weak. He just looks weak. And you know what Paul's saying? He's going, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. So what does he do? This morning, guys, he's going to share visions and revelations. But he feels like he has to defend against these super apostles. And so he's going to defend on his vision. He's going to say what a blessing it is, but he's going to walk in humility. Why? For we discover that Paul talks about visions and revelations. He tells us about a man who was taken to paradise. That's going to be key. Because Paul is probably referring to himself in the third person. Then he discusses a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to remove it, but God did not do so, so that Christ's power would be made evident in Paul's weakness. That's where we pick it up, guys. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, if you have a pencil handy, guys, you can circle that word for doubtless or some of your translation. Here's what it really means. It's necessary, though not profitable. Okay, Paul's saying, it's necessary, it's not profitable that I should defend myself. He says, but I will reluctantly tell the visions and revelations from the Lord. Okay, now listen, Paul's going to go and he's going to boast, he's going to defend about his visions and revelations from the Lord. But he's cautious because why? His conscience says there is going to be nothing gained by doing so. Listen, all of you are not going to be like, yeah, this is amazing. He says, but if I don't, if I don't, everything's going to be lost if I don't. So I've got to tell you. You go, why, Ben? Why? Because evidently his opponents, guys, had criticized his claim as an apostle, and he said this. They said, man, he hasn't experienced anything, any visions or or revelations. Paul's like, no, let, let's chat for a moment. He goes, he goes, here we go. Let me, let me set the record straight. Look at verse 2. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, He was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Guess what? Paul says, I'm going to tell you a story. Right? This is what he's saying. Now, he's referring to himself in the third person, and most scholars believe this actually happened to him in Acts chapter 14. Now, if you're pretty quick, turn to Acts chapter 14. If not, you can watch it on the screen. I want to show you where this happened. Acts chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Let's see, do we have that? Look look at this. It says, Now it happened, right, where? In Iconium, that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. Give me an amen. Amen. Because that's what he does. He says he went to the synagogues and people started getting saved. 
He says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. This is what's happening. He comes to start a church. He says, man, my brother Alex got saved. And then somebody comes and poisons him and says, no, he's not really. And, and so what happens, guys, now, now go over to verse um, 19. Go over to verse 19. It says this. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, so they're following Paul, and persuading the multitudes, they what? Stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into that city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Guys, do you see what just happened? Paul's preaching. People are getting saved, and there's a riot going on. They take Paul, they drag him out, and they stone him to death. You understand what it means to be stoned with rocks. They would take you, they would tie you up, they would take you to the edge of the cliff, push you over... And then they would take boulders and throw them down at you. That's what it meant to be stoned in that day. So much so they did that, that Paul probably wasn't breathing. He was probably blooded, busted. You guys understand. Oh, he's dead. And they dragged him out to the city. Left him for dead. That'll show you Paul to preach Jesus. The Bible says, guys, think, think about it. Wherever Paul was during that time, we're going to see... It says in verse 20, however, when his disciples gathered around him, he rose up and he went back into the city. Well, that would be trippy, wouldn't it? Because here's Paul. Hey, Paul. I think he's dead. Yeah, that that last boulder gone. Paul. Okay, so, uh, Jesse, we're going to have to bury him. Um, Get a shovel. Uh, And all of a sudden, oh, Paul's away, you know. Uh, Paul, okay, Paul, you're you're pretty beaten up. You know what Paul says? I'm going to go back into the city. How many of you thought Paul's crazy? I would think he's crazy. Paul, you're crazy, dude, dude. They just tried to kill you. I mean, you were laying here. You weren't breathing. There, you were you were dead. You know what? D E D dead. Just kidding. D E A D dead. Just trying to see if you guys are paying attention. And he goes back into his, now, here's my question. Okay, just as a side note, right? Do you, do you ever read something and your mind goes off and you start thinking? Here's my question, right? If this, in fact, if this was the time that Paul went to heaven, he went to heaven. And he was singing that song, looks like I made it. He's there. I got a question for you, church. What did he see in heaven that would cause him to even love his enemies even more and to love the people in the city even more, to get back bloodied, swollen, beat up, half dead, and go back into the city and tell them about Jesus. What did he see? What did he see? Well, here's what we know, okay? I'm going to give you the whole experience of what we know about heaven. You ready? Back in our text, Paul writes about experience. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Okay, this is the only time it's used in Scripture, the third heaven. But let me let me put this: if you're taking note, this is the place where God dwells. Okay, we look up to the sky and we see heaven. We say those are the heavens. You get past that into the galaxies and see those are the heavens. That's the second heaven. But the third heaven is the place we cannot see. It's where God dwells. That's what He says. That's what He says. Okay, He called it paradise. Paradise or the third heaven, the place where God dwells. Now, think about this. To all my Bible students here, think about this. Jesus promised a criminal on the cross. What did he promise? Today you will be with me in paradise. What was he saying? He says, man, today you'll be with me in heaven. In heaven, in the presence of God together. The third heaven. Wow. Paul says, I was caught up to paradise. He said, I heard things so astounding, I can't even express them with words. There is no language, he says, and as a matter of fact, it's against the law for me to even just say it's so amazing. It's so amazing. Now, let's talk about heaven for just a moment. Let's talk about heaven. Paul says, 
it was so big. This is all we know about heaven. This is all we know. There are some people that said, I died for 20 minutes and I went to heaven. And I'll tell you experiences and you'll have a YouTube video and a book and so forth. But this is what we know biblically. Paul says, it's, wow. Wow. And I go, I wonder what he saw. We know a little bit about Revelation. We know that the streets are made of gold. We know it's paradise. We know it's amazing. We know there's peace, joy. We know all of this stuff. But but what did Paul really, really see? Guys, because this is the place where all, we're all going. This is the place we're going to end up. What, what, what's it like? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in heaven? I mean, do you really believe in heaven? The place where God dwells. See... Heaven doesn't become real when just when you think of it. Just when you think of it. It's a real place. Now listen, Paul says it was paradise. Things so astounding. He couldn't even express it. Now here's what I want you to jot down. You ready? Jot this down in your notes. When heaven becomes real in our lives, everything becomes clear. When heaven becomes real in our lives, everything becomes clear. Does not, does not things on earth become clear when you realize, guys, when heaven becomes real? Our desire to go to heaven is because of Jesus. You understand that? Because like, I don't know if you know this. I mean, we live in Lubbock. No offense to Lubbock. I love Lubbock, Texas, but it's not pretty. It's flat. You can stand on the sidewalk and watch your dog run away for two days. I mean, that's how flat it is. No offense to my Lubbock. But in the world, there are some beautiful places. Beautiful waterfalls, green. I mean, you guys know there's paradise places on earth, right? But heaven isn't heaven without Jesus. I mean, it could be, it could be so pretty, but, but heaven is heaven because of Jesus, because of his presence there. And, 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 and here's my thought. Here's my thought, guys. We should desire heaven, you guys ready? Because we love Jesus, not because we're afraid of hell. We should, we should go, man, I can't wait to be with him. Listen, I'm not sitting here going, I'm not sitting here going, oh, well, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to die. We're in God's plan, in God's time. In God's time, did a, did a funeral yesterday for a precious, precious saint. It's God's time. And she's experiencing what Paul, what, what you and I barely, I'm trying to communicate what, what she's experiencing. Because the Bible says, remember what Paul says? He says, I'm in Christ. I knew a man in Christ. And when you give your life to Jesus, you're in Christ. And he doesn't see you anymore. He sees Jesus. That's how you're saved. Wow. The gospel message. So check this out. Everything in life becomes clear when you fall in love with Jesus. And when you love Jesus, heaven becomes real. And when heaven becomes real, everything else becomes clear. That's a profound statement right there. Now, this is where Paul was. I've got to tell you this vision. Now, he doesn't give us more, more details. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. And again, this is, this is for my Bible students. I love you guys. But before we move on, I want you to see something, okay? Paul actually uses the term caught up twice. Do you guys see that? I was caught up. I was caught up to paradise. Now, there'll be many people that come up to me and go, hey, rapture, the rapture is not found in the Bible. The word rapture is not found in the Bible. And normally we'll take him to 1 Thessalonians, and I was caught up. The Greek word is harpazo, okay? The Latin word is rapturus, where we get our English word rapture. Well, I found it interesting. This is the same word that Paul employs here in 1 Corinthians. He says, I was caught up. I was raptured into the third heaven. I don't think when we take our final breath on earth, guys, we're going to float like this. I think the Lord goes, come home. And we're there. And we're there. It's the word caught up. Paul was raptured. He was raptured. 
Well, it goes on in verse 5. What does Paul say? Paul says, of such a one, he's talking about the man, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast. He says, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. In other words, Paul says, man, that experience, guys, I could tell you about for days. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm only going to boast about my weaknesses. Now, why would Paul tell us about his weaknesses? Because that's where God is strong. And if you want God, if you want people to see God in your life, you'll boast about your weaknesses. And you go, well, how so, Paul? Well, look at verse 6. He says, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I'll speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me or what he hears from me. Listen to what Paul is saying. He says, listen, I only want to be judged by the evidence before your eyes. I only want to be judged. Here's what I love. You know how Pastor Ben validates his call and his ministry? You guys. You guys. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says, listen, I could tell you that I had this experience and I had this and I had this dream and let me tell you about this, but the validation of the ministry and what God is doing is you. It's how God changed you in this ministry. That's what he's talking about. And so he explains this. Look at verse 7. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. What? What? Paul says, guys, you don't understand. I had multiple revelations. I walked with God. I had multiple revelations and multiple visions. I know God. I've seen heaven. I'm excited to get there. But Paul says, as a matter of fact, it's more needful for me to be here with you. Here's what I was thinking about Paul. You guys ready? And this should be our attitude. This should be our attitude. Because we're saved, heaven is already there. Amen? So we already know. That's where we're going. So what does Paul do? Paul says, man, I've already seen heaven. This is so exciting. It's beautiful. It's paradise. But it's more needful that I take you with me. And that should be, that should, guys, that should be our hard attitude. Our hard attitude is, I already know where I'm going. My only job is to make sure that everybody comes with me. That's my only job. That's my only job. All right, let me ask you this. Are you packed? Are you guys packed, ready to go? It's coming. Okay, are you packed? Are you ready? I, picture this. I don't want to be the guy at the airport sitting, waiting for my flight to miss the intercom because I'm so busy wrapped up here. The flight to heaven is about to leave in gate seven. And there I am. Worried about stuff. I want to be packed and and listening for my gate. Ah, Let's go. But I also want to make sure that everybody else around me is getting on that plane. Jesse, do you want to make sure everybody in the plane is, is going on that plane? You do, don't you? Alex, everybody on that plane. Let's go. Let's go. That's our job, guys. That's our job. We are heaven's already secure. Because of Jesus, it's already it's already there. So now we just gotta okay, okay. Paul says, man, I've had wonderful revelations. But in order to keep me from becoming proud, he says, man, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, i got to be honest with you, man. I struggle with that at times. I'm like, Lord, seriously. And he goes, yeah. And you go, well, Ben, what was the thorn? What was the thorn in Paul's side? The problem is, is we really don't know. But I can give you some schools of thought. You can make your decision. Let me just say this, okay? It may refer to Paul's inner emotional turmoil about the churches. He was stressed about the churches he planted. He wanted to make sure that they were moving forward. That could have been, that could have weighed heavy on him. Anybody know what stress is like? Anybody know what anxiety is like? That's what Paul might have felt. It's like, ah. That could have been, I mean, that. It, It might have been an ongoing sin. We don't know. It um, it might have been his opponents. It could have been those so-called super apostles that were giving him a hassle. He's like, oh, Lord, 
It could have been a physical ailment, such as poor eyesight or his speaking ability. You guys remember he said, man, I just, they thought he didn't speak very well. Could you imagine? You've read all the letters that Paul wrote. You read them all. All the New Testament. Man, Pastor, I've read all the letters of Paul. Guess what, guys? Next Sunday, the Apostle Paul is going to be bringing the message. This place should be packed out, but how many would go, that's Paul? And then him not speak very well? He'd be going, that's not Paul. That's not. Are you sure? That's what they were going through. Paul didn't speak like you thought he should speak. Or maybe the thorn in his flesh, last, last thought, was, was a demonic oppression. Kind of both in general or specific to him. All of these options seem possible when you look at the circumstances of Paul's life. Keep this in mind. Paul says, listen, a thorn was given to me so that I remain humble. And I started thinking about this. As we navigate through 2020, guys, we've had so many people on YouTube, and they've come out and said, I've had visions. God spoke to me. This is what's going to happen in the election. This was going to happen in 2020. This was going to happen in 21. You guys, if, if, you're, if you're on YouTube, you know this. And I thought, well, make sure that you filter this, that if, if somebody says they had a vision or revelation in these last days, one true characteristic is that they're not prideful about it and that they're actually walking in humility. It always cracks me up when somebody gets up and says, you know, I had, a, I had a vision the other night and Jesus walked into my room and he stood at the foot of my bed and I said, Jesus, I've got to tell you. I'm saying, mm-mm. Jesus walks in your room, boy, I'm on my face, flat on the ground going, are you kidding me? Depart from me, I'm so unworthy. Because, because that's, we're not prideful. He says, man, he says, listen, to keep me from prideful, I walked in humility. But also, too, what does they do? What do they do? I said, here's what everyone will do. If they claim to have visions or, 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 or um, revelations, the one thing they would do is they won't be prideful, and they'll bring you back to the word of God. They won't say, thus saith Ben. They would say, here's what God says. Here's what God says. So what does Paul do? Paul says, man, I've had this thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. He does the same thing that we should do. He goes to God. Look at verse 8. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. You know what the Lord said? He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities and the power of Christ may rest upon me. Guys, Paul says, I prayed to the Lord three times. Listen, I know Jesus. I've talked to him. I've, we've had, and I, three times I prayed, Lord, take this away, take this away. And God's like, no. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know what Paul said? Boom. Never to pray against that again. Never. He says, Oh, I had a V8. I get it. This is what God is doing in my life. Think about it. The enemies at Corinth had been accusing Paul of being weak. Paul's weak. Paul's weak. Paul's weak. And Paul goes, I admit it. But let me tell you this. The weakness was a gift from God. The very weakness they accused him was actually an argument for his apostolic authority. Wow. And so Paul says, let me give you some application. You ready? Whenever we see a therefore in the Bible, we see what it was there for, but we also know its application. He says, Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities. Wait, what? How many of you wake up going, I'm so happy I'm sick. <laughs> I'm just so blessed. We don't, do we? So what is he saying? Paul's not saying he's, I'm happy that I'm sick or my infirmities. Paul says, listen, I'm content 
in my weaknesses. I'm content in my insults and the hardships and the persecution and the difficulties. I'm content in that. Why? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Nobody could accuse Paul of boasting and bragging and being something he wasn't. He says, it's all God. See, God promised Paul in the midst of weakness and frustration, which this thorn produced, that he would find God's power all the more present. Guys, that's what it's like in our lives. He's promised you that in the midst of weakness, in the midst of your frustration, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of where you're walking, he says, I got you. I got you. All the more power. All the more present I'll be in your life. Because the ultimate goal, church, is to glorify God in all we do. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that people see our lives and they glorify God. That's it. And you go, well, Ben, your wife had cancer. She glorified God. We were in a wreck. Somebody was in a wreck this week. We glorified God. We're struggling financially. God, you got to see us through. You got to see us through. We're having a rough time. The holidays really stink. God's going to see you through, I promise. He's going he's to grab your hand and he's going to walk with you. You have to trust me because that's what he says. It's in your weakness that he's strong. And then come January, you go, wow, I really felt the presence of the Lord. But, but sister, are you okay? I'm okay because I've really felt God in my heart. I really felt God in my heart. So as we close today, guys, think about all the Lord had said. Think about our lives for just a moment. Where are you with him? Because here's the gospel. You ready? Here's the gospel. Jesus Christ, God's only son, left heaven, came to earth to set you free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be super talented. All you have to do is receive it. And it's the super most wonderful great exchange. You take your heart that's full of yuckiness and and you give it to God. And he cleans it up. He polishes it. He makes it white as snow and he gives it back to you. And you're saved. Heaven's done. Heaven is complete. I'm going. I'm going. And how many am I going to take with me? Well, here's the thing. You might be here today and you go, Pastor Ben, listen, um, Jesus Christ died. That's yeah, I've heard that all my life. I've, I've, I've heard these things, but uh, you were saying some things and uh, I got to be honest with you, Pastor. I feel like I'm a million miles away from God today. Listen, you might feel like you're a million miles away, but you're one decision from coming back to him. And what I want to say to you with all of my heart, it's not a religion. It's about a relationship with the God that created you. He knows you inside and out, and he knows what you need. And if you're like me, you were running from him for a long time. For a long time, you were running from him because you didn't want to experience the pain of another broken relationship. But that's not God. God comes in here and he restores all of the hurt that you once had. And he brings it back. Well, Ben, what do I need to do? God wants you to just surrender your life today. Say yes to him. As a matter of fact, he followed you all the way to church. He says, I'm here. 
and I love you. And sometimes we think that God is so mad at us because of what we've done. And let me just say this to you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's opening up his heart. And while we're still in a season, God's reconciling people back to him. But you've got to make that choice. He's not going to do it for you. You have to say yes. You go, what do I have to do? The same thing every one of us did at one point or another. You have to surrender. You have to say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to make it official. I want to just, I want to be saved. I want to take my past and I want to trade it in for a brand new future. I don't want the guilt anymore of, of what I've done. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be clean. I want to be clean. So we're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender. You go, how? I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's going to watch. We don't judge here. But this is between you and God. Well, pastor, why do I have to raise my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. And I want to see you. And then I want to walk with you. And I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer that will change your life. Change mine. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, even those watching online, even now, uh, those that are listening by podcast and those that are here. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move today. Lord, it's about being saved. It's about Paul saying, man, I know what heaven's like, but I want to take people with me, and that's my heart, Lord. If there's anybody here that's not in a right relationship, I pray today they'll be saved. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, you were talking to me. You were talking to me. I, I want to be right with God. I'm not right with I don't know if I died today, I would go to heaven. I don't, I don't know, but I want to know. I want heaven secure. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, all you have to do is lift up your hand. I'll see you. No one else will see you. There, but he said, all you have to do is just lift your hand. Would you do that right now? God bless you, sir. I see you in the back. Anyone else want to just do that? Want to just, just lift up your hand? God will see your heart, I promise. He'll come in and he'll give you a brand new life. Anyone else? Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can be saved. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is still moving. And I thank you for these people, Lord. I thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.